We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 1 Rankings by position. You want to jump to a ranking? You hit the time codes and figure all of that out. Remember to smash the like button to the episode. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network. And in the comment section, you give me your favorite undervalued, cheap, waiver wire quarterback who's going to have an explosive week one. I want to know who that guy is because maybe I'll play him on DraftKings. And if you want to play on DraftKings, the best tournament you can play in is the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. $15 to play, three max entry. And here's the caveat. There is no rake for that tournament, so all the money goes to everyone in the pool. DraftKings is not taking a cut. You can find that link in the description of this video. There's 5,000 spots, and trust me, they're going to fill quickly, so you best get your spots right now. Okay. Additionally, I got some money to give to you right now. I got a thousand bucks, but that can go up. So I'm going to give away $250 installments to people who do this. So what you need to do is subscribe to Mayo Media Network. You do that. That takes like three seconds on YouTube. You get a ballot in the draw. The second way to earn the ballot is leave a or subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. And then on Apple podcast, the link is down in the description to make it easy on you. Leave a five-star review, something you enjoy about the show, your Twitter handle or email address so I can contact you if you're a winner. We get 100 reviews. I'll bump that up to $1,500. We get 200 reviews, $2,000 to give away, and we'll be doing that on the Week 2 Spread Pick Show, which will come out on Wednesday morning of that week. For the eighth year in a row, Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com is joining me to dissect my rankings. Of course, you can find all of his rankings up on TheAthletic.com. You can find mine down in the description, just a very quick hyperlink, or if you're ever looking for them they're on dknation.com i'll also have the early release in the mayo media newsletter free to join that's also down in the just check out the description there's a lot of stuff down there cash giveaways 
all the fun stuff, all the links to where you need to go to to win some of this, to find the rankings, and I'll have them updated. I'll do a re-up next week because normally this show is going to come out on Tuesday, late afternoon, early evening throughout the course of football season. But hey, it's week one. I want to talk about week one. You want to know about week one. So that is what we are going to do. Jake Seeley, you know what my favorite thing has been so far as it goes to week one? What's that been? When I was making my rankings, the new site runthesims.com has the player comparison tool where you can look at like one player versus another player in a graph and their range of outcomes. I'm just like punching in players like, oh, I want to see what the distribution of upside versus floor really is for this. I feel like it's really making my decision-making process a whole lot better. So I need to be up with you because you're one of the best fantasy rankers around, one of the most accurate. I want to get up to your level. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, what do you even need me for at this point? <laughs> I was surprised it's been eight years. Oh, you can't even see us. I have a this is the way shirt because this is what we do. This is the way to get your rankings correct every single year as you and I talk together. And I, hey, don't, don't be smirch yourself, Pat. It's not like you've never changed my opinion before. Yeah, but it's usually for the worse is the problem. I can be very convincing. <laughs> I'm just wrong. <laughs> there's been you've made some very very valid points throughout the years I, has it really been eight years did you count back has it been that long i did it's been eight years of you and i doing this show from from the audio version to the video version wow good times yeah, we'll make it we have to do something in two years for 10 are you gonna come down to the states i mean when i yeah i'll, I'll be down in this i'll probably see you in vegas in in february once football oh, yeah, season true. is over so maybe we can do something fun from there or maybe for week one one year i'll fly you up if you can handle that and we can do the show <laughs> in the studio once i'm in a temp studio right now and while well, my new studio is being built so expect a change in that at some point during the course of the football season but i want to thank everyone for coming into mayo media network joining us for the eighth consecutive year and if you want all of the tools uh, there are free tools there are premium tools but if you just want to do some research runthesims.com is amazing uh, and even the advanced stats hub which is completely free you can go use to look at your market shares your targets and everything like that and really dig into the weekend if you want the daily optimizer the custom game simulations the player prop tools the player comparison runthesims.com slash mayo will get you the discount off of that so i highly recommend it i've wasted enough time jake Let's talk about running backs, the rankings for week one. All my season-long rankings are up at DK Nation as well. They'll be updated throughout the course of next week if you're still doing drafts. But I've moved on. I'm talking week one now. Rankings down in the description. <laughs> Let's get to them. We got, no surprise, Christian McCaffrey at number one, Kamara at number two, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb at number five, Aaron Jones, number six, Austin Eckler, number seven, Najee Harris, number eight, Chris Carson. Number nine, and Antonio Gibson. Number 10, at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. These are for half-point PPR settings. You got some problems? I want to hear them. <laughs> so I got some problems. Uh, look, it's going to be always hard. We do this every single week. It's always hard to nitpick in top 10, but it really comes down to 11 and 12 for me. We haven't gotten to them yet. I just There's two guys that I would kick inside the top 10 and two guys that would barely get kicked out of there and one of them being chris carson um and it's not that i don't like chris carson we make the argument every single year when chris carson is healthy chris carson is dominant but ezekiel elliott's also dominant and joe mixon i know it was inefficient but i had this debate with somebody 
I just released a My Guys article, and uh, what I was bringing up Najee Harris with the volume argument for Joe Mixon. Not saying Joe Mixon is one of my guys, but they're like, oh, Joe Mixon was terrible last year outside the one good game with Jacksonville. It's like, okay, well, that still counts. We can't just take the game away from him. And then they scored between 7 and 15 for the four other games. But here's the biggest part of it. He averaged 23 touches per game last year in those. And that's even before this whole not coming off the field. And I know there's questions, but Minnesota's defense doesn't scare me at all. Again, I'm nitpicking, but it would be Joe Mixon and Zeke over Carson and Antonio Gibson because I just the, the Gibson use. I don't know which way to go with this. Like they, they demoted Peyton Barber. He got signed to the practice squad. They have Jarrett Patterson who they keep sprinkling in, but it's that passing game. You know, are they going to let Gibson get unleashed or what free Antonio Gibson or whatever? I just, I don't want to say I want to wait a whole week, but the chargers defense definitely scares me more than the Vikings defense. Chargers have a good defense. So it's again, I'm nitpicking, but it'd be your nine and 10 switched for your 11 and 12. Okay. I can, I don't know if I'll make that change right now, but I could be talked into it as the course of the week goes on with Mixon. It's a volume play. I just think that Najee Harris is a better running back, at least in this moment of time. And I'm just very unconcerned about well, how... I'll leave Harris there. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I just think I know that he's going to get all of the goal line work on that team. It feels like he's a three down back, whereas Mixon is as well, but that feels like a more pass heavy offense. And I think that even the spread, when you look at it, uh, it's being deflated because Minnesota is a three point favorite on the road in Cincinnati. I think that should probably be a little bit higher, which will just lead me to Joe Burrow is going to be passing a lot. I haven't projected to throw the most passes of any quarterback in the NFL this season and then it really comes down to the determination of how many passes is Joe Mixon going to catch because that's going to be a big part of his value this year if they're going to be down in games and passing a lot can he get four or five six targets per game maybe and mm -hmm. I mean that's why I haven't ranked at number 11 for the week and I had him at number 12 <laughs> right. going into the year but I'm still a bit wishy-washy on it like I know that Harris is going to do those things and that's why I'm just comparing those two as a bell cow back with Eckler like I know the amount of targets he's going to get his floor is pretty safe with Gibson I know he's probably going to control I mean I don't know he's probably going to control the goal line work <laughs> getting rid of Barber was actually huge for me I do know that JD McKissick is still going to have a role in the passing game but it does seem like Barber is going to see at least see an uptick from what I see and the Chargers defense is good, but I think that they're a better pass defense both in coverage and right. pass rush than an actual rush defense Sure. Uh, but to go to that point, that's where I was saying is Antonio Gibson's upside. Is, is it going to be in the passing game? Cause that's also where they are better is even to the running backs and just their passing game in general. So again, not, not a big nitpick. Uh, my biggest one, as soon as I looked at your rankings and again, what do we do this? We talk about this a lot, Pat, you're starting these guys anyway, and especially right now, you know, maybe down the road, there's more options. You may trade and stuff like that, but it's hard to going to be, it's hard to get away from who you drafted. Although there is, <laughs> somebody in your next set of 10 that i like I, I you might be shocked to say i think he's not way too high but there's a good chunk of guys behind him i feel more confident in week one all right well that's a that's a nice tease i do want to let people know mayo media network is running a gigantic season-long props contest and jake you should get it on this as well because people can play against me they can play against you it's oh i do it, it's through prize picks so you have to go sign up for prize picks um and if you use code mmn you get like a deposit match up to 100 bucks or i have the link down in the description you just use the link go through you'll get that hundred dollar deposit match as well but essentially what it is is you pick five fantasy props every single week it could be a fantasy score it could be rushing 
rushing yards, receiving yards, passing yards, touchdowns. You pick the over, you pick the under, but you have to pick five of them per week. And on your entry, your entry has to be for $7.11 per week. Uh, And then there's prizes. Once you enter as $7.11, you're automatically in the Mayo Media Network pool. That's how it registers. So even if you have a prize picks account, you don't need to sign up through us. You can just play in it that way. But I mean, you get your deposit match if you sign up through us. Uh, So it's like free money. So for the course of the year, it's like $128 to play over the course of 18 weeks. It's $7.11 a week. So you get paid out on your prize picks if you win anyway but if you get five for five every single week you get a bonus 50 bucks if you have the most right of anyone who's playing in the competition at the end of the year you win three thousand bucks you come second you win 1500 you come third you win a thousand you come in dead last you get a bonus hundred jake and it's just a fun way for all of us to interact and some people don't they don't have sports betting legalized in their state or they're not high stakes players i feel like this is a way where it opens it up to way more people because prize picks is available in a lot of places and it's not a huge investment for people i think people can swing the seven dollars and 11 cents a week to come show how much more they know on a week-to-week basis than you and i <laughs> i think that'd be really fun by the way do you really love 7-eleven hot dogs or something like that like where did, where did this come from 7-eleven i i believe football starts on 7-eleven oh no wait that 7-11. doesn't make any wait. sense because it doesn't start i was in gonna say that doesn't make like, I, no. I, I don't know i i think it's just catchy that that's why we came up with it <laughs> Is that is that what it is? All right, I'll go with that. It's catchy. We'll call it the reason why. Well, how about this? It's a Seven Eleven because it's open to everyone. Oh, boom! There you go. Yeah, and it's well it's played. easy to remember, but you have to make the entry for seven dollars and eleven cents. That's the trigger that that entry of that amount with the five picks registers for the. Contest. <laughs> Did you just say trigger? On the, you said trigger it on the first show, and it wasn't even intentional. <laughs> now there we are. So again, uh, prizepicks.com code MMN or the link in the description. Go do that right now and come compete against Jake and I. Next series of. 10 you mentioned joe mixon he's at number 11 ezekiel elliott number 12 jt jonathan taylor not jonathan taylor thomas just jonathan taylor so just jt not a jtt saquon berkeley gus bus edwards at las vegas at number 15 james robinson mike davis clyde edwards elal damian harris at 19 and miles sanders at number 20 i'm curious who it is who's the guy who's too high is it edwards or robinson it's neither <laughs> is it D the Harris? guy right in front of both of them oh no. it's oh it's barkley you think barkley's too high I, I can't week one man look i i'm the person who's been campaigning to say i'll take barkley at the end of the first round still because i did it on your very show and i even prefaced it with an injury is different than a suspension but Le'Veon bell suspended season still finishes rb3 still was rb1 in fantasy points per game saquon barkley two years ago still narrowly beat Christian McCaffrey in a points per game. We all know Barkley's upside. Let's let's also remember last year that even before getting hurt, that offensive line was so miserable that looked pretty poor getting out of the gate despite all of his touches. He hasn't played yet. We don't know what his workload's going to be in week one, and it's a bad matchup on top of it. I don't know where you drafted Barkley and you could bench him, maybe unless you went with the Gus Bus situation and now you have Barkley, Edwards, and maybe you went with Mixon, like maybe you did Barkley, Mixon to start and you got Edwards later, and that might be the only case, but I have more confidence in Edwards, not even a question in my mind about that one, especially with the workload on that team. James Robinson, workload, Mike Davis, workload, Clyde Edwards, a lair, I'm starting to... I probably slide him down behind Edwards Alaire and right in front of Damian Harris. Just again, I know you probably can't bench Barkley, but I have so many concerns about what is week one going to be. 
is it even 15 carries? And if it's 15 carries, is it 15 carries for 45 yards because this offensive line is still trash? It is. This was the trickiest one to do, and I thought that I would be sort of an outlier of having him too low, considering he was someone who was drafted as a top 10 running back, and having him outside of that for week one seemed low for me, but I was just kind of hedging. I Listen, I, I'm good with bumping him down because we don't know what the situation is going to be, and maybe this is where the Wednesday update to the rankings, when I shoot that video, I'll have a better sense of how the Giants are going to use Saquon Barkley and what his role might be, because if it's like, oh yeah, you know, he's going to play 80% of the snaps. Like, okay, then he's like a top 10 guy again all of a sudden. But I don't know how right. much we can trust that going in. It's a really tricky situation. And I don't know how you get away from starting him. Like, even if, let's say, you drafted Barkley, then waited at running back, and you had Gus Edwards and not Damian Harris to go with him. Let's say you had Mostert and Gus Edwards. Like, are you really going to mm -hmm. bench Saquon for Raheem Mostert? Like, I could see it. I don't know if I'd do against it. Against Detroit? Yeah, even against Detroit. Uh, like, I think that's a great matchup. But at the same time, like, if Barkley is playing a limited amount of snaps, he still might play more snaps than Mostert does. He might. And I think that's sort of the intriguing one it comes down to is Mo Mostert's a good one to throw out there. Uh, Miles Sanders, I'd still probably go Barkley for the upside because their touches might be similar. Uh, we've talked about Miles Sanders and the fact that Philly has told us nothing, but they are they are concerned about him in the passing game. You don't keep Boston Scott on the roster, draft Kenneth Gainwell, and not tell me that you're concerned about Miles Sanders in the passing game. So he's in that similar conversation of what that workload is, and that's where I would lean towards Barkley just because we know what Barkley could be. Although, again, if we could go out week one – He's easily, even when including Monster, like if we went down to Monster, Sanders, Montgomery, right around there, like I, I think you could argue Barkley still has the lowest floor. And that's what you have to know what you're getting into. If you want to say, look, I don't want to lose week one from Saquon Barkley getting two points. You know, I'm not going to do that, but I could see you making that case because week one, you do have more options. And that was one of my reasons behind Barkley is that the first three or four weeks, it's much easier to find a replacement option than it is weeks 9, 10, 11. And I know what Barkley should, should, we don't know for sure, but should be come October. Uh, but that being said, if you wanted to bench him for Damian Harris, again, that, that Damian Harris is speculative workload, we're assuming, but we'll be really surprised if Bill Chip... There's a world we live in, Pat. Tell me there's a non-zero chance that like J.J. Taylor leaves that backfield and touches week one. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be fun because I'll be like, you know what? I'll play like a sneaky James White and pick up some Mac Jones little dump offs. Maybe he'll end up with like five, six, seven catches. And that's a great way to really establish my floor. And then all of a sudden he plays one snap and J.J. Taylor's the guy. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fantastic news. This this is great. Or Stevenson is all of a sudden the goal line back and not Harris. Like, oh, God, why did I fall for this? I'm hoping <laughs> that's not the case. I have faith in Damian Harris, but. You know, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like anything with Kyle Shanahan. It's like, it's in the back of your mind that this might not work out. Uh, Steve Stevenson and JJ Taylor, I imagine, are min price, aren't they? And they're on the main slate. <laughs> yeah, well, James White's only 4,400 bucks as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'll, man, this is. <laughs> I'll have the uh, full DraftKings picks for week one out <laughs> on Thursday. But I think you bring a, a, an interesting point to the floor versus ceiling conversation. Because I do think that the ceiling for Berkeley is higher than a lot of these guys. Because I did move him down. I moved him down behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That makes him number 18 in the rankings. When people hit the description, click on running backs. That's where he's going to appear as the time of this show release. Maybe that will change throughout the course of the week. But like I said, I'll be doing an update on that. But then you get into these next level of guys. And that's why I find that the runthesims.com tools are so helpful is because I can 
punch in Saquon. I can run that that game versus Denver simulation 10,000 times with, you know, increased injury, increased workload, decreased workload. And then I can just have a graph of, oh, like his floor is substantially lower than someone like Miles Sanders, but the upside is still on the uptick versus Miles Sanders when I compare the two together. It gives me my range of outcomes. Like what's a 10th percentile outcome? What's an 80th percentile outcome? But what's the median outcome at that? Like, and my rankings aren't projections at the same time. My rankings basically devolve into if I if all of these guys were on my team, in which order would I play them in? And sometimes I buck the projection. Sometimes I want to go with my gut. That's why they're my rankings, and it's not a projection list. You want the projection list. Head over to run the Sims. It's like what you do too. Like you have your projections, but you don't necessarily always follow those projections. No, and that's why you know the perfect example is what I did this year. I had that customizable cheat sheet where, first of all, you could say your rankings are dumb. I don't like your projections. Well, actually, my projections are dumb. You don't like them. But even my projections are a different rank than my rankings because this is how I would draft. Sure, they spit out projection-wise this, this, and this. But it's the same in the draft as you will do week one, two, three, four, week 17. You're going to be doing it differently depending on what you want at the position. And some of these situations, whether I'm drafting or whether I'm starting them in my lineup – as you always say, Pat, I'm not shooting for fourth place. Well, you know, any given week in my fantasy league, I'm not aiming to hopefully beat my opponent by two points. I want my team to win, and I don't want to leave this, you know, little wiggle room because I feel safer about it. I'm just going to start my potential best players. So that's where my rankings, again, will always differ, and that's why uh, you'll see that. Projections and rankings are two different things. 21 to 30 in the week one running back rankings at number 21. My guy, Colonel Mostart, Sideshow Raheem. He's at number 21. I do like him a lot this year. Montgomery, Flea Market at number 22. Javante Williams was one of the harder guys to rank. Him and Swift. I have to 23 and 24, so the lowest end of running back two that you can get in a 12-team league. Daryl Henderson, Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin, Kareem Hunt. Chase Edmonds and Josh Jacobs. It's not that I'm that low on Josh Jacobs throughout the course of the year. I just think that Baltimore is a particularly bad matchup for him. Unless I'm just way off on how this game is going to (laughs) go. I mean, that's really the outcome that you'd be looking at is that Vegas is running away with this. And then all of a sudden it's a lot for Jacobs. We look, we already know the concern. That was the fun. Remember, maybe it's week one. Maybe he's the new Sammy Watkins, though, Pat. Maybe week one is when he gets all of his receiving in and then he's nothing for the rest of the season uh, because that was the excitement last year with Josh Jacobs. But Kenyon Drake is a factor and it's going to be a factor for his touches no matter what. I mean, he could even steal more carries than even got taken away from Jacobs last year. So that's a concerning threat. I don't have much of a problem with that. I'd probably lean if if it's my team. I still feel better than Jacobs than Chase Edmonds share. I think that James Conner, while healthy, is a bigger factor for some people than like it, for me. In my opinion, it is. I think that Jacobs share is going to be more than Miles Gaskins is. Uh, throwing a lot of S's in there. I would start him over Ronald Jones, not trusting that Buccaneers backfield. So, oh, that being said, while we're recording this today. Giovanni Bernard has the injury question. So if Bernard is out, I feel better about Ronald Jones. Not that I think Ronald Jones will be used in the passing game, but it's one less option in that backfield. I want nothing on a week-to-week basis, if possible, to do with that Buccaneers backfield. The 
you know, those are like nitpicky ones. The ones I, I feel better about than where you have them, specifically, especially because DeAndre Swift going against San Francisco and not being 100%. But also, I like Javante Williams. I think he's already won that backfield. I think the fact that they didn't play him in the final game and they wanted to see Melvin Gordon with the first team well, well, tells us what we need to know. That, that I, I That's where I, I think we might differ a little bit because we hadn't seen Melvin Gordon because he was dealing with that injury the whole time. Right. That, is it one of these cases where Williams is so entrenched as the starter, we don't need to see him anymore? Or is it we need to right. get Melvin Gordon some reps here because he hasn't played in like a real game in over a year, basically. Let's see what he does with the ones as well. I just think that while I'm in on Williams, obviously I have him ranked at number 23 over Melvin Gordon. I do think that it's probably a bit more of a split than we're looking back. And Swift's health week one legit scares me. And I think he's too good to put weight right. too far down this list because if he's playing, I'm probably playing him. But if he's not playing, like how far up will we move Jamal Williams if Swift is just out week one with this groin? I think he'd put Jamal Williams all the way up by Damian Harris. Jamal Williams has proven to be a top 15 running back, and we know the workload. Now, I'm not putting him in front of Harris and Edwards-Alaire and Mike Davis because I still think he has a limited ceiling, and the ceiling on the Lions is not the ceiling he had with the Packers, but that workload should be like, what, 80%? Because he's not going to fall out of the passing game. That's part of my concern for Swift this year, period, and why I have so much Jamal Williams is that a lot of the pushback I got was that, oh, DeAndre Swift is such a good pass. I love DeAndre Swift, the talent. I don't know how many times I have to tell people this, but people forget that Jamal Williams is a good pass catcher. He's not on Swift's level, but he's good. He's better than most, and he's a really good pass blocker. And that doesn't tell me that Swift is guaranteed to get all of the passing down work. And that was my concern about Swift. So that's where I say Jamal Williams would probably be on the field like 80% of the time if there is no uh, DeAndre Swift. Jake, uh, let me uh, pull up my best guy who comments on the internet voice. Jake, why do you still hate DeAndre Swift so much? You got me mid hydrating my uh, my my vocal cords over here. That's a, I, I I love the why do you hate so much because it's, I prefaced it when my breakout running backs this year like DeAndre Swift wasn't my number one breakout running back. Uh, unfortunately, my number one was J.K. Dobbins. So much for that. Uh, but uh, uh, actually, two of the hold on, two of my five were J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. Good God. Um, although Cam Akers kind of already broke out last year, and I even said that in the piece. But the very first sentence I said, Pat was like. Let me say this before we even start. And I put in a separate line altogether. I love DeAndre Swift, the talent. Um, but anyway, what I'm getting at here is I'm pushing Josh Jacobs all the way up ahead of DeAndre Swift. I'd still put him right there with Javante Williams. To go back to what you were saying, I think it's both. It's like One is they've seen enough from Williams. They wanted to see Melvin Gordon, where I think that cements Williams as the lead, although I do, I'm with you. I think it could be like a 60-40 split. As that it's not a very pronounced split. But if they really weren't set on Williams already, he would have got touches in that game as well. Like they wouldn't have just left them out altogether. Oh, I agree. I, I think that he is the one A, but I think this is a one A, one B situation, not he's the one, Gordon's the two. So yes. that yes. that becomes tricky when we start evaluating upside. And the reason that I have Jacobs down is one, this is about one of the worst matchups. I feel at least what do we know about week one and what defenses are gonna be like? At least historically, good run defense on the Ravens, and they should be able to put up points pretty early, at least in my assessment, which means they're gonna be playing from behind in fewer running situations. And versus the guy who are above him and you mentioned chase edmonds a little bit earlier so edmonds hunt gaskin jones i can see them with a lead and him just getting up the ball a ton and even henderson because i maybe. still think it's henderson over michelle and it's a maybe with ronald jones but i like that situation at a high game total is if 
Vegas gets behind, Jacobs ain't scoring any fantasy points. Like his floor is That's like true. you talk about Barkley's floor. His floor seems like it's like two points. And that's certainly fair, but to, to being behind is actually the other person I was going to mention was I would have Daryl Henderson higher as well, uh, mostly because if they're behind or if they're in front, Daryl Henderson is the guy. Uh, similar, but, but Jake, I'm a, some... I'm a coward, and Sony Michelle scares me. <sighs> and, and say, you know what? He's not going to scare me. I'm going to go. I'm stealing from Emery Hunt, our friend. He calls it smooth brain thinking. You're not using the ridges is where all your brain thoughts and the snapses are and everything like that. It's smooth brain thinking. The answer's in front of us. We sat there for months saying, Daryl Henderson's one of the best backups. Don't forget how good he is if healthy, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens? Cam Akers gets hurt, and all of a sudden people are like, well, I don't know if it's Daryl Henderson. Who's behind him? Oh, that Xavier Jones guy who lost his job to Funk, then got hurt, then got you know put on the IR, and then they trade for Sony Michelle. And nobody wanted Sony Michelle, but now they want him because he's on the Rams. Like now he's the answer. Look, maybe he doesn't get goal line carries, but that's why Daryl Henderson's an RB two and not an RB one. You know who Daryl Henderson is while healthy. I I don't discount the fact that he's had a lot of injuries already, but he's Matt Forte. Not every running back has to get all the goal line carries. Matt Forte was an RB one for years, scoring three, four, five touchdowns throughout the entire year because. He did all his work between the twenties, but you know what? I don't care in fantasy. If you're an RB two, you can do that for me. And sometimes all it takes is, I mean, we're, we're building in a floor when guys are touching the ball between the twenties. It's the same argument that people have against Eckler. All you need in the course of a season is a bit of touchdown luck on your side from one of those guys. Then all of a sudden they are absolute game changers for a season. Now oh, it, can, God, yeah. it, can, it can go the other way and they don't, break through any of these touchdowns these were like three throughout the course of the year but remember that i vividly remember those two forte years almost juxtapose against each other one year he was really down in touchdowns and the next year he way over exceeded what he should have scored <laughs> and he was like the best running back in fantasy <laughs> you're 100 right speaking of austin eckler if they give him the alvin Kamara just 30 to 40 carry boost he's finishing as a top five running back no question I think it does depend on the goal line work for him, but he's going to have one of the safest floors of any player because he's there's no game situation where he really gets taken out score-wise. Like, they're down by 17. He's probably on the field all the time. They're up by 17. He's probably on at least for the first two downs or depending on where they are on the field. Can I ask you, I know you do a completely separate show and it's not even with me, but are you with me and feeling like Javante Williams is the chalk to fade? Like, because everybody's going to be in on him and then we don't know that split. And at 4,000, it's just, I'm going elsewhere. I think it really depends. I think it's, and this is for, I've ran through a couple of the week one numbers and how this all shakes itself out. But I think it's week one is a great week to pay up for the safe running backs because you can take all of your chances with cheap quarterbacks and cheap receivers who were just massively underpriced from a month ago. Like we're going to get to the tight end rankings and like, I don't like Tyler Croft, but he's going to be on the field for the Jets all the time. And he's the minimum price. Right. Like throw him in, you can afford McCaffrey. And then I don't have to worry about Javante Williams. Yeah, it was the same page. I was just curious, throwing it out for a little nugget for people. Yeah, no. Sneak I, preview for your show. Yeah, well, yeah, that's going to come out on Thursday. I don't even know who the guest is yet. We'll have to, it's going to be a surprise guest, but you can expect the DraftKings show every Thursday on Mayo Media Network, spread picks on Wednesday, this show on Tuesdays, once week one is over. We wanted to get out ahead of the game on this one. So very quickly, 31 through 40 at the running backs. Once again, you can find all of the rankings in the description. I have Trey Sermon at number 31, Tevin Coleman, Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, Philip Lindsay, J.D. McKissick, A.J. Dylan, or Dylan, as others say his name, James Connor, David Johnson, and then James White at number 40. 
I don't have a good feeling on really any of these guys. Basically, <laughs> to, I put Lindsey at 35 because that would just be my gamble that he plays the most snaps. He could be the worst guy in that backfield. But that's the chance that I would take. I think McKissick's going to get because just because the pass rush for the Chargers theoretically is really good. I can see McKissick getting a lot of dump offs in that game. Although, as you've stated before, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't really the check down king. I do think that there would be set plays for both him. And if Curtis Samuel is firing at 100%, I think that hurts McKissick a little bit, but I can see them throwing yes. a bunch in that game as well. But you know, you know how I love me some JD McKissick and maybe by week two, he's ranked like 99th at running back but that's where i'm going here because i don't have a ton of confidence in a lot of these guys uh once you get down to that level maybe dylan should be up above Lindsay and mckissick but yeah. we are really picking this and the good thing is is you probably don't have to play any of these guys because it's week one yeah, that's true so two things from this list i'll say is one is no he's not the worst one in the backfield because you know worst place is the worst one in that backfield it's mark ingram so watch mark ingram be the best running back which still means nothing because the best running back still might rank out as 30th in the week and that might just be good you know good job getting your 6.2 points because you fell into the end zone or something like that but uh, i want nothing to do with that backfield I want to come back to one because we kind of skipped over Edmonds. So here's my hesitancy. And it's not just the split with James Conner. It's also the game script in this game. Who they're facing? They're facing the Titans, which inherently are one of the least amount of plays run for opponents as well, which kind of pushes me towards unless the Titans are blowing them out, which I don't think is going to happen. I just don't see that Chase Edmonds is going to get a high volume in this specific game. Like I could see my Conner and Edmonds rankings kind of flipping week to week depending on the matchup like i pass happier higher scoring i want Edmonds in a game like this i don't really want either but this kind of feels more like a james connor game so i thought initially the same thing then i started to think about how this game is going to go both defenses i mean Arizona's defense is good at getting to the quarterback. They're not a good defense, especially in the passing game. The Titans' defense is basically a sieve, but they play in a division where that just doesn't really matter. This is the highest total game in week one. 52 and a half is the over-under. No game is maybe the over. that's efficiency, though, for, for it, the it, Titans. It, I don't it, think actually, that's there's, really... there's one more that's higher. It's the Browns and Chiefs that's 53. It's efficiency for the Titans, but if, Car yes. if, if Arizona is going to have to put up a ton of points in this game, and the implication would be like they're three-point dogs, so they are going to score 20-plus points in this spot, it feels like it's going to be a lot of Kyler running, a lot of Kyler throwing deep, and just a lot of Kyler throwing in general. And if it's a Kyler throwing script, I feel like that's more Edmonds than Connors. Okay. I mean, I, again, this is why I said that at the beginning of the show, you bring up valid points and you have me rethink it sometimes. It just, I think it really just comes down to, I don't want to start either one of them. Fair. Um, I mean, listen, but, that, that, that there's a reason that they're at 28 and whatever yeah. they are. I think if you're, playing, I will say if, if you're playing the touchdown game, it's probably Connor, but if you're playing that between the twenties game and the floor, and that's where I'm at with these running backs in this part of the rankings, I think it's floor. Uh, and well, I was actually going to say like Edmonds, you could, I think might even have a higher ceiling unless Connor falls in twice for two touchdowns, because oh, okay. if you're saying, if you're saying, if this has to be a 30 point game and then Edmonds comes out of this game with kind of like a, a Mike Davis, 12, not even 12 carries, like 10 carries, but seven receptions, you know, that, that could happen. Absolutely. And I don't want to have to bank on Connor two touchdowns. And again, this is more of a floor <laughs> idea rather than a ceiling idea. I do agree with you that. It just takes one one juke from Edmonds and he could be gone. I don't feel like Connor has that ability anymore. His touchdowns are going to come from like the three yard line. Yeah, he used to have that. I would love to see him get it back, but yeah, just to, uh, the good thing is, like you said, week one, you probably have 
no, no reason to play most of these guys unless you had a, a Dobbins injury and you went wide receiver heavy early, and that might be it. But outside of that, I don't see many people getting past the top 30 anyway. You know the draft recap I put up for your flex league? Uh, I drafted that team. Looking better Gus by, Edwards. by Gus Edwards, Damian Harris, Mostert. Here we go. I just went tight ends and receivers heavy and drafted all those goons. Well, you also, like, so, to be honest with you, and I'm not taking anything away from your team, but honestly, the Edwards thing is just, you fell into an amazing situation. But, but what, 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 uh, was not, the, what was the point of drafting him? And what I continuously brought up in those running back rankings that we did is I had him ranked right. higher than everyone else in case a situation like this happened where I thought he had a decent floor anyway because he was still going to get touches. Not someone you wanted to play, but could play that was on your team. And if anything ever happened to Dobbins, all of a sudden you have a legit running back starter. And that's, why I drafted right. him, why I drafted Mostert, why I drafted Damian Harris. I drafted Latavius Murray for the same thing too, but it doesn't even look like he's second in line anymore. So that's a bad pick, but <laughs> that was the reasoning behind passing on running backs early and just piling up a whole bunch of those guys. Right. And so uh, I think that's really what comes to that. Like I was going to say, even if you didn't hit with the Edwards situation yet with Dobbin staying healthy, he was still a serviceable option, but more importantly, that's where I was going to go is that the Damian Harris, I think was the, the smarter pick for your team construction, though. I not taking anything away from Edwards. Like it's just slightly smarter because Harry Harris was the outlier of value at the time when we drafted and continued to be uh, seeing how that situation was to play out. But you, you benefited like this isn't going to happen. I mean, you know, if Dobbins stays healthy the entire year, you at best, you've got a flex play out of Gus Edwards, but Again, this is, you know, the upside, the upside. What, what do you say all the time, Pat? You want to finish in first place. You don't want to finish in third, fourth, fifth, or sixth or whatever. So you go with this route, you hit on one of these running backs because of an injury. And all of a sudden you have a first place team. Yeah. And it's different. Like the, the backups that you could potentially draft, like I've never wanted to like handcuff my guy. I'm more of a handcuff of other people's guys that I want to target right. the running backs who, if the starter goes down, they're all of a sudden the guy. And I was wrong about that with Murray. I think at least, and maybe it turns out to be right. If something happens to Kamara, it's not looking that way at the moment, based on what we saw, although he did make the team that that has to be a positive, but it's not like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to draft Carlos Hyde. It's like, who, who cares about Carlos Hyde? His role is going to remain <laughs> unchanged. He's just going to be a pest to James Robinson or whoever the starter is in Jacksonville. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't draft uh, David Johnson in case Philip Lindsay gets hurt? No, exactly. <laughs> See, like that's such a, uh, and I, I mean, you know that, but it's such a low upside proposition that at least if I'm going to take these guys, the gamble better be good. That it is a high upside proposition that I can cash in. If the unknown happens, like you can't prepare for the unknown, but you can put yourself into a position to get lucky with the unknown. And I feel like that's actually a part of my draft strategy. And this is exactly, this is the blueprint of how it can work. So kudos now enjoy, now enjoy now your trying to start the season now i mean i'm taking my victory lap before the season watch me coming dead last <laughs> like i was saying that's watch. enjoy the beginning of the season and see how it works hey listen the beginning of the season is when all of this is glorious we're all right no one is wrong yet and then the harsh reality sets in <laughs> let's move to hey, i'm rooting for you you've won you've won a title before right you have one in your bank don't oh, you? oh yeah I, I got the belt i don't have it on the set but i got the belt so i have a yeah, first first a third, a second, and then I missed the playoffs on points last year because I had this. I think I had the third most points in it, but only the the most like the the team that scores the most points and doesn't make in the six place. 
get sixth place. But Eric Young actually missed the playoffs too and had more points than me somehow. So he got the wild card <laughs> spot and I didn't. I was like, damn it. I was like, I was going to do well in the playoffs here. <laughs> oh, no, I got one better for you as I was hitting that stretch run during the back half of the season and I was set for sixth place points because I had such an unlucky first start. And Jen Ryan of Football Diehards uh, was the fifth seed. But she lost, which gave her, she unexpectedly lost. Her team just fell apart right before the playoffs and then tied with me in record. But she had just barely more points than I did. So she kicked me out, even though I was already set to be in. I see that that's the one thing about the wildcard rule, which everyone should play with in their fantasy league, by the way. It's awesome. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. Let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They're horrible. They don't fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. But this episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less, Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're great for anyone living a keto lifestyle, and they're a perfect snack for anyone who just likes to eat good snacks and wants to cut back on sugar. That's me. If you've seen the video version of the Pat Mayo experience lately, you'll see a slim and trim Pat Mayo. Big thing was... Monk Pack sent me a whole bunch of these keto bars, and while I'm not doing a keto diet by any means, I do think that cutting back on sugar and actually having a snack that's not high in calories, that is low in sugar, that isn't horrible, and I actually do like to eat, I thoroughly enjoy it, because they come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter dark chocolate. They're really delicious. I cannot emphasize this enough. I was shocked. I got them in the mail. I opened the box, like, all right, here we go. Someone's an advertiser on the show. I'll give it a try now like they're almost all gone and my wife's been eating them too like we just really enjoy the monk pack keto nut and seed bars i'm obsessed with these bars and probably eat more than i should at this point so i probably need to scale that back because they're a bit too good right now but i highly suggest you go try it for yourself and you'll see and we have a special d deal for all of our listeners get 20 percent off your first purchase of any monk pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code mayo that's m-a-y-o for those of you who can't spell or read at checkout and Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product on the site. Then enter code MAYO, M-A-Y-O, at checkout to save yourself 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious nutritious food you can count on and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast wide receivers i don't want to belabor the top 10 too much i'll give you the top 20 and you can see if anyone's an outlier because i feel like these are people everyone should be starting number one Devonte adams calvin ridley tyree kill hopkins Diggs, jefferson dk metcalf scoring mclaurin aj brown keenan allen into allen robinson Sorry, uh, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore. I can't envision sitting any of those guys. There's even a few more. Like I will even throw in Robert Woods and Julio Jones, who are the next two on the list. I probably wouldn't sit those guys either. I was going to say, I, I mean, you said you don't want to belabor the top 10. I don't even know how you can really get much into the top 20 period. Like, yeah. it's just, I, I'm looking at this list and like, so somebody's going to be like, oh, you have CeeDee Lamb too low. Like, 
who cares? Like what? You want to switch Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb? I mean, who cares? This is if you drafted anybody in this list, you're starting them 100%. Especially yeah, I mean, our conversation should even start until the 22s. Yeah, especially in week 1, you're starting these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most of them were first 3 4th rounders anyway. So, like why do you again, this is I wouldn't even be benching them in most matchups throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, circumstances can change. Like maybe Julio sucks in Tennessee and then you're not starting him anymore. Right. It's possible. But I mean, like, are you sitting Cooper Cup and Robert Woods because they're, you know, facing Jordavius White this week or something like that? No, you're, you're starting them anyway. Exactly. So I think the more important discussion we have is who are you starting at wide receiver three, or if you went running back and tight end heavy and you don't have great receivers, I think that's the better discussion that we can have to actually help people. So the entire 21 through 30, like I mentioned, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, my guy, Debo Samuel, who I do enjoy more than Brandon Ayukin, but he's still up here as well. So Debo, Cooks, Robbie Anderson, Corey Davis, T. Higgins, Marv Jones, Marv, Harry, Love me some Marv Jones. It turns out his shoulder's going to be okay, it seems at least. Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, Cortland Sutton, Marquez <laughs> Calloway, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy. That's probably, I, I feel like, the next tier of guys. I know people are going to argue me argue with me about Jamar Chase, but it took a lot of restraint for me not to rank him higher, although the preseason scared the absolute <laughs> shit out of me. I'm still going to play in week one if I drafted him, <laughs> which I'm going to be doing. I think there is a line of demarcation between Judy and Pittman, between who's like a good wide receiver three, and then who we're rolling the dice on a little bit here. I think there are safe guys in that 30 to 31, but there's also potential high upside guys as well. Like, I have Michael Pittman at number 34. I think he could be really good i could be way wrong on that see i i was gonna draw my line a little bit higher than you so uh two things is well and i'll give you my line um i you can sutton i would start over chase and i've been a chase apologist this entire time and say don't overrate the drops but i will say don't underrate that he's in his own head at this point uh, especially because that that one series it that, it's not just that they threw the ball to him he dropped it forget that like just forget it's the fact that they were one series and said let's just try to get Jamar Chase the ball and get him out of his own head like that was what that play was intended to do and he dropped it and then that was it that was all the opportunity you got I still think Chase is great I still think Chase is top twenty upside but it might take a few weeks especially. He's on a team where they don't need him to be an answer or even be an option right now. And they can go to Higgins and Tyler Boyd until Chase is comfortable. So I would put him behind Ayuk and Sutton because I saw everything I need to see from Sutton. He was cutting without any problems, without any hesitancies, without any hiccup in a step. So I would go with Ayuk and Sutton. And then Chase starts that next group. And that's where my line starts. My line actually starts with Chase, Callaway, Smith, Judy, Pittman, and the rest because... I like a lot of those guys, but I think that's where you start getting into. You can honestly have a debate with some of them. Like Judy in that game, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but he was on the field playing the slot. Patrick was playing in too wide. Judy wasn't always in too wide. I don't know if that was just a thing to get Sutton his reps and not tinker too much, and they already saw enough from Judy as well. But that just maybe kind of raised my eyebrow just a smidge. Um, Antonio Brown, we saw in December, it could arguably be like the number two some games. And then again, down from there, but that my cutoff would be Sutton and then chase down from there.
All right, I will bump Chase down. I think you've effectively sold me on the in the in your own head narrative. You know that I'm still going to be playing him. And like I have him everywhere, so I yeah. have to play him based on where I've taken him. Although I went, like I said, a very tight end wide receiver heavy at the beginning of my drafts and had these like mediocre middling running backs. So maybe I can get away with not playing him in every single situation, but. I'll kid, I'll bump him down to number 30 behind Cortland Sutton, then go Chase Calloway. I think Devontae Smith could be awesome in week one because I'm not buying this Falcons defense at all. And the reason, if people are wondering why I have Chase Claypool down at number 36 is I think that's the Tredavious White assignment against the Bills. It's going to be hard to do it to Deontay Johnson. He's more of a possession guy. Uh, maybe that is where he gets locked down. It's probably not going to be Juju out of the slot. It just seems logically in my mind that they have Tredavious White shadow anyone. It's going to be Chase Claypool, the big hitter, where they're going to go get their points. Well, I'll even add to that. I'll say it might not be Tredavious White on Claypool all the time because Claypool might not be on the field all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, And this, here's the thing is it's twofold is one. There's talk about this offense not being as three wide as it was a uh, part of that is Najee Harris, but also that's just part of like they said, they were changing this offense a little too reliant on the three wide. They were one of the top five teams last year. Actually, I think they were number two or number three and three wide and they had been trending up three straight years and there's already been a lot of talk a lot of talk about getting back away from that and to couple into that conversation is when it was only two wide claypool wasn't on the field and claypool not only wasn't on the field but in game three when there was no deontay no juju because it was like we're not really doing the starters claypool was out there a ton i'm not saying that to read too much into like whatever is you know maybe they just didn't want to play much of ray ray mcleod and james washington but it still tells me definitively that he's three behind Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. So again, I don't think we know, as you said, Tredavious White definitively who he's going to lock up. And he might just kind of, you know, depending on the formation, I know he does shadow more than some corners, but he might just mix and match depending on what the formation is because all three of them are good. But it's more so the opportunity to be on the field. I think Claypool is going to be the odd man out more often than not. And you know what he's the best in, Pat? He is the best, best ball wide receiver you could find. <laughs> That's true. Unfortunately, this is start them or sit them. So you might have to, if you have better options, you can send him. But if you want that upside, I do think that he possesses a ton because obviously the touchdown rate per target last year was just so elevated. But I think that is going to be a part of his game in his career just because he can make so many deep athletic plays that sometimes he's just uncoverable no matter how good a quarter is. Oh, definitely. And I think if you're looking for kind of the conversation we were having at running back, you could argue that boyd and juju behind him have the better floors sure that but, that, but that is exactly the reason why i still have claypool ahead of him and maybe i just have the higgins chase and boyd situation just all jumbled up and i'm wrong but someone has to be the guy who's a little bit behind like i picked antonio brown for the bucks i picked tyler boyd for the Bengals. like they're just lower and i still michael think that gallup for dallas michael gallup for dallas and in any given day those could be the highest scoring receivers on the team but i if i'm thinking about it from a macro approach where i'm looking all all season long, how am I going to do my rankings? And obviously new information is going to change things. However, I think that Boyd's going to be the third highest scoring receiver on the Bengals. I think that Brown's going to be third. I think that Gallup's going to be third when we look back at it throughout the course of the year. So it's hard to like pick a matchup where, oh no, no, this is the week where it's Boyd and it's not T Higgins. Like, no, you kind of have to go with what you think is going to happen in the year. You didn't do T Higgins right. T he there you go <laughs> uh yeah i you know what 
I want to get into two one wide receiver you haven't talked about yet. So do you want to hit your next list because the two the wide receivers kind of overlap in the conversation I want to have. Well, the rest of the top thirty, so it's Pittman, Brown, Claypool, Hollywood Brown, DJ Chark, and Tyler Boyd and Jarvis Landry. I only put Hollywood Brown this highly because it's him and like Devin Duvalney as the, <laughs> and I think Hollywood Brown's playing. I don't even know that for sure yet. Hey, if there's no Hollywood Brown, I'm gonna have a lot of Devin Duvernay in that one-off game. I think I, you I'll could have a lot of Devin Duvernay anyway in that game as that, a DraftKings like be... single slate thing. You well, know that, what? You know what? You know what's that actually m- pretty cool that you can do. And I mean, I know you've been on the site too at runthesims.com. We have the single game showdown in the single game simulator. So even if someone's scratched last second or they're not playing, you can go put their like target share to zero. But like, frankly, if Duvernay is either the wide receiver one or wide receiver two by the time this game actually comes around and you think it's going to be a higher paced, high scoring game, you can go run that game 10,000 times and see like what the baseline chart for him is. I bet you that he is going to be one of the optimal players that you can play in that game based on upside. Obviously, he's Devin Duvalier, and his floor is pretty low. But I could see where he has a huge spike because of this matchup. Yeah, I was. What I was going to say was might be intriguing is that he's probably the better ownership play if Marquise Brown is playing because everybody is going to be on on if he's not. So then yeah, I think that might actually be the better way to go for that one. Um, your next list. Your next. You want to do the next list because I want to talk DJ Shark, but I want to bring him into a conversation with somebody oh, i'll just God. say it on the giants <laughs> all right so D, it's dj Cherk, tyler boyd jarvis landry lavisca chanel juju smith schuster odell beckham michael gallup jacoby myers sterling shepherd curtis samuel kenny galladay jalen waddle and Devonte parker i don't know what to do with these dolphins guys but i just have them start them if you desperately have to i have no <laughs> confidence in either of them uh so you want to talk about galladay yeah, Galladay and Shark. Oh, by the way, this, apparently, if you look at his pronunciation, it's supposed to be shark, like the animal. So, yeah, like, whether we like want to go with that or not, I know how you are with pronunciations, but it's supposed to be DJ Shark. Anyway, uh, Shark and Galladay. What was going to be my question to you is like, do you even want? I know you have Shark rated higher, and kind of he's in the startable range. But if it's me. I'm I'm looking for any opportunity to not play either one of them, even if the reports are they hey, they're practicing in full, just because we haven't seen them at all this preseason. Both of them are playing with quarterbacks that they've never played with before. Both of them have other options on their teams who are showing plenty of rapport and plentiful options on their team with the quarterback. And it's just like, what is Galladay? I, I'm I'm legitimately more concerned about Galladay than I am Shark. But I, I don't really want to start either one of them if I can avoid it. Like, I would I would go Waddle over both of them, as crazy as that might sound. You would go who? Jalen Waddle. Oh, you go Waddle over them? Over both of them? I mean, you can convince yeah, me on anything I like with how... these. I, I really don't want to play Galladay <laughs> Chark. I was kind of wishy-washy on just because I like him. But for week one, maybe you're right. Like, would you go Cole Beasley, the bees, or would you go Shark? 
I know everybody hates Beasley because you know what you know what. Right listen, now. listen. You can hate Cole Beasley as much as you want. This is fucking fantasy football. You should start who you think <laughs> is better on your team. Swear to God. No, and that's what that was going to be my point. Cole Beasley has done nothing, but he's been your guy for the longest time. If Pat deserves all the credit in the world. He had never given up. He was always the biggest fan of Cole Beasley in fantasy, and all he's done is produce for you, Pat. And all he is going to continue to do is produce as the number two wide receiver for Josh Allen. Whether it's not Emmanuel Sanders or Gabriel Davis is the number three. Cole Beasley is Cole Beasley is Cole Beasley. Uh, I would go Cole Beasley over both of them just on a confidence level. Would you go with Jamison Crowdale? That's where I probably have the breaker point because he, Crowder's also dealing with that hamstring or whatever he's got going on, and who ever knows if he's ever 100% any given game. I will make a case for one guy even bef- behind all of these that we haven't gotten to yet that I would start over maybe not Shark, but I would probably start over Galladay. <laughs> All right, well, hit me with it. I moved Shark down to 50 and Galladay to 51. You've properly convinced me I'd start the Dolphins guys over that. I think you made a very good case for them and the Bees. I have the Bees ahead of them as well, so they're just behind him. But who is the... If you say Henry Ruggs, you might have to throw in the towel on him at some point. No, I I do think Henry Ruggs is in a nice situation this year, but not week one. But week one... Yeah, week week, week one's kind of tough for old Ruggs. Yeah, uh, despite the matchup, Darnell Mooney, even with Andy Dalton, I would have higher. I don't. I would definitely start him in front of Jamison Crowder, no question about it. Oh, I would, no. if, if, if Crowder is healthy, that's going to be Boku catches for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Darnell Mooney. But the one I'm going to go back up there from there is he's healthy right now, and that's all that matters. The gazelle is healthy. And you want to talk about 20 25% of the target share because TJ Hawkinson can only cap out at so much before the rest is going to Tyrell Williams and then whatever's going on in that backfield. And sure, St. Brown wasn't even running with the ones. He was on the third team until recently, until they made some of their cuts. Quintus Cephas was in front of him. Even so, St. Brown is a slot option. He's healthy right now. It might only last one week before he pulls another soft tissue injury, but Tyrell Williams, I would start... I'm telling you, it's a toss-up for me with Galladay. Galladay against Denver, not playing at all with how terrible Daniel Jones has looked and how terrible that offensive line still looks. I'm just, screw it. If it's my lineup, I'm starting Tyrell Williams over Kenny Galladay. I'm not, and here's why. And why I have St. Brown above Tyrell Williams by one spot, even if he's not in on every series or every formation, is I really respect this fully healthy Niners defense. And it might sure. be it might be a target share issue, but I think that the easiest completions on the field for Jared Goff with I mean the offensive line for the Lions are actually quite good, but I just think that that pocket is going to be crumbling with the heat that they're going to bring and how solid they are on the outside at corner that <laughs> the middle of the field is where the majority of these completions are going to be made. And that leads me towards St. Brown. That leads me towards Hawkinson or Williams and Swift out of the backfield. I think it's going to be tough treading for Cephas and Tyrell Williams in this specific matchup. Yeah, uh, I, I think that, you know, you could throw me on the defensive line and that Giants offensive line is crumbling. We've already seen it. They're pick. They're, they made... Two trades and a pickup during this cut waiver situation. Two trades for late round picks for guys that were probably going to get cut. Another person who did get cut to bring in because their offensive line and their offensive line depth is trash. I, I, I keep saying for running backs, I don't care. Volume is what matters. James Robinson and David Montgomery, 
on terrible offensive lines last year, and they both finished top 10. Those are running backs. It's not Daniel Jones at quarterback, and it's not Daniel Jones being your reliance for weapons. to get. You want to talk about somebody who's not going to see very many targets if the, the line is collapsing? I don't know how Kenny Galladay gets anything thrown his way, even if he's on the field. Yeah, that's why I have Sterling Shepard above him. Sterling Shepard, just lock him into eight targets a game. That's what he does when he's healthy. Right, but I was making the case of Tyrell over Kenny Galladay. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to play any of these jabronis, and you'll be good. <laughs> hopefully uh, that's the thing it's like hopefully you're not digging this deep yeah especially in week one when there's no bye weeks no there's not like i don't even know who else you would go down this list you know again brian Edwards and henry ruggs are intriguing especially with the reports of like they were looking so good that's what happened to john brown is he wanted out of there because he knew he wasn't the starter but again it's baltimore like do you really want to roll them out there uh, elijah moore has been banged up and not healthy nico collins sounds fun but but who, who knows? was it Tyrod Taylor? They still haven't even announced our quarterback. We're just assuming it's Taylor, right? I mean, we are, but Taylor himself has come out and said he doesn't even know if he's the starter. Well, he probably has to dodge a needle to the lung before week one, and then maybe he can get on the field. <laughs> he just doesn't want to go to the doctor's room. That's what it is. All right, let's roll through the rest of the positions. We'll go to tight end right now. Um, I think that there's five very solid guys through four per, like that you're starting. And then it becomes a crapshoot of who you want to go to. So I go Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Andrews, Pitts. You're starting those five 100%. Higby, Logan Thomas, TJ Hawkinson, because I am scared of that San Francisco defense. I just think they thrash the Lions. Maybe I'm wrong. And Robert Tunyon. I think that those guys are all guys that are going to start on your fantasy team as well. Then it's Gesicki, Goddard, Janu. I have Tyler Croft up here at number 13 against Carolina because he's the <laughs> only tight end on the Jets at the moment. Evan Ingram, who's banged up with this calf injury. Gronk in the opening game. Like, it's touchdown or bust for almost all of these guys as we go down the list. Ferkser, Hooper, Everett, Komet, Henry, Secret of the Uzma, Hayden Hurst. There you and, go. <laughs> and you'll probably see a lot of 12 sets from the Atlanta Falcons as well. So Hurst is still going to be on the field. There's going to be games this year where he outscores Kyle Pitts. I'm convinced of it. So... Just because he's going to be out there. And you know who's going to get the attention? It's not going to be Hayden Hurst. No, it's not. So I'll make, there's two cases I'll make here. Is not, It's not a big mover, but I would play John over Goddard and Gasicki. Uh, I've mentioned this a lot, that Gasicki saw one of the highest usage for slot tight ends using running out of the slot which is Jalen Waddle so he's not going to be there and he also saw one of the biggest market shares of all tight ends and still barely checked inside the top 10 I just think Kasiki's going to lose a lot from Waddle being on this team and hold on hold on yeah you could yeah, say yes but in week one and what I'm going to say I'm I was just about to get to that mouth, I'm going to take the words out of your mouth Will Fuller is not playing <laughs> so there is a chance that it's not going to be a hundred percent Waddle in the slot they might bump him outside in certain series right. play Gasicki in the slot so I think that week one in particular is a nice spot for him Okay, and that's what I was going to say. So I could see maybe that, but I would play Jono over both of them. I think Jono could be the number one, whether it's Jacoby Myers or him or Nelson Aguilar. I think Jono is one of the top three, if not top two options. What, what, is, Henry's, so what, John is, what is Henry's like official status entering week one? Still questionable. All right, so if he's not... If he's, it's the Patriots. It's true. If he's out, Jono's going <laughs> up, but I still think that he's going to play and like play okay. a lot. Well, what I... And this could be completely wrong, and I think a lot of people... I don't... I don't think this is not the common assumption. And the common assumption is that Janu is the more valuable fantasy asset than Hunter Henry because he should run more routes. 
but I wouldn't be shocked if that doesn't come to fruition because John is a better blocker than people realize that he's actually very close to Hunter Henry and how good of a blocker he is, but he's also just a step behind, but he's also a step ahead in matchup problems with gaining separation and the matchups with, so maybe the combination of the two really gives him that leg up and that's what we're all kind of assuming, but I wouldn't assume to say, I can't be wrong on that. The other one I'm going to say here is you said it's touchdown or bust. I look back at Gronk last year and I look back at Gronk once he, you know, I, I referenced this to you and I wasn't doing it as a name drop to be like, Oh, I had Brian McFadden on my show, but I did it because Brian McFadden's a former football player who knows a hell of a lot more than we do as much as we know. And he said, he calls this and I give him so much credit for this because he's a football player and he knew he said don't expect Gronkowski for a few weeks and when Antonio Brown signed he said don't expect to see Antonio Brown perform until December he said until December he called it and so I say this for two reasons from week six when Gronk kind of hit and kind of woke up he was tight end four or five depending on your league so let's go to December and only take December when Antonio Brown was in involved and finally back to being Antonio Brown Gronk was still tight end nine. So I know he's kind of touchdown or bust to a degree, but I think it's not as bust as people think it is. And I would play Gronk all the way up over Croft, no question about it. And until Zach Ertz completely goes away, I kind of go with a toss-up of Goddard or Gronk. I, if you want to go Goddard, no problem. But that's actually where I would put the toss-up for Gronk. Yeah, I'm going to call Croft the guy that you can pick up off the waiver wire right now if you've already drafted and play him week one if you have no tight end. I'm I'm kind of locked into Croft. Maybe it's because his DraftKings price is so enticing, but it feels like <laughs> it depends on what you want out of your tight end, too. Like, Gronk's far more likely to catch two touchdowns and score 20 points, but it feels like he's also more likely to score two points, where I feel like Croft in a half-point PPR is probably good for, like, six and a half to nine and a half points, which sometimes is all I want. <laughs> And that's certainly fair, but at the tight end position, yeah, for the fact that one touchdown for one yard gets you probably tight end 11 or 12 for the week, I'm just going to chase the touchdowns. Okay. Quarterbacks. I got Lamar at number one for week one. Mahomes at number two. Kyler, Brady, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jalen Yehurts at number nine, <laughs> and Ryan Tannehill at number 10. I mentioned that high total game. I'll also run through the next 10 as well. Uh, Herbert, Ryan, Stafford, Burrow, Sam Donald, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins, Zach Wilson, Jameis, who is famous, I have heard, and Ben Roethlisberger would be my top 20. Is there anyone that, I, that isn't in that top 20 that you think should be, like, I just don't see it with a lot of these guys. I feel like the, the floor is very low or it's a tough matchup or it's a high, high running team and they don't have the necessary rushing floor to make up if the passing doesn't go their way. So that should be in the top 20 or in the top 20 higher. Cause there's two, there's two players, one on either side. Okay. So give me should be in the top 20. That is not right now. Tua. And there's not even a doubt in my mind. It's not that bad of a matchup, especially with, what is it, no Gilmore. Um, but Tua as a whole, uh, you know I've been on this Tua situation this entire offseason. Again, I don't know how many times I have to say this, so I'm repeating myself for a lot of people. So if you want to skip ahead a minute into Pat's show. But they straddled the fence, and they tried to run a Fitzpatrick slash Tua offense last year. He didn't have Parker healthy for most of the season. Parker actually bookended the years with hamstring injuries. 
No Preston Williams, not that I think he's a factor, but I go down the list to say his number one option was Gesicki, an offense that really wasn't designed for him completely. Hutua was also still not 100% by reports coming off that injury. You've seen him in the preseason. You see him with Waddle and Parker and even without Will Fuller. To have Gesicki in this mix, to see Tua playing the way that Tua is playing, people forget how good he was. You don't take the 80-plus touchdowns and what was it, 10 or 11 interceptions in college and just throw away Tua because of his rookie year. Tua is always going to be inside of my top 20, despite matchup, until he bombs for multiple weeks, two or three weeks probably. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm playing Tua. I'm playing Tua over Fitzpatrick, Garoppolo, Roethlisberger, Wilson. I'd put him right behind Cousins. And then the other player I was going to mention is I would have Winston over Cousins. But oh, that's only two spots. I just like that Cincinnati matchup for Kirk Cousins. It could be a big Dalvin Cook game, but it might be a nice spot to establish him. I feel like Cousins is always going to come in right around 17 or 18 because he has these low, low <laughs> that's, floor that's games. Yeah, but that, that's just who he is every single week. Like he'll finish his quarterback 18. He'll have four or five like top five performances in a year because touchdowns break his way. So I always consider that in. Just Belichick, Belichick versus Tua scares the shit out of me. That that's really what it is. That he'll just much like when I had. I remember we had this discussion on the show last year that like Belichick is going to eat Justin Herbert's lunch, and he did. And I feel like he's gonna <laughs> and he do, did, and I feel like he's going to do the same thing to Tua here. I, I think it's going to be different this year with Tua under center. If you don't want to play him, if you want to go, and I'm not, I'm not saying narrative disrespectively because narratives are narratives because. Uh, you know, some of them have are created, and that's why I'll say, like, you create your own narrative, but this is a narrative of, like, if there's a substantial evidence behind it. So maybe if you want to say, if you want to go with the history, pointing to the Bilicek stops inexperienced quarterbacks 90% of the time or whatever it is, I don't blame you. I'm just telling you from where I come from on the Tua standpoint and the Jameis Winston. Um, again, Jameis Winston, I'm going for a little bit more ceiling. He definitely has the lower floor with Callaway and Traquan Smith being his number one and number two. I don't disagree with you there. So if you want to go Cousins, then Winston. I would just uh, – Zach Wilson just doesn't do it for me. And he's basically Daniel Jones with lesser rushing upside. So that's well, really what it comes down from a fa fan of fantasy standpoint. How does he get to even top 15? And that's my question. I think that he is going to run more than maybe you think that he's going to do. And for what, like, I know the game total, like one of my bets in week one is going to be Carolina and New York over. I just don't think that the Jets defense is very good at all. That Sam Darnold and in the revenge narrative, you want to talk about narratives. Oh, and this God. offense is just going to put up <laughs> a ton of points on this bad Jets defense. And he might end up with like 50 passing attempts, which I'm going to take that volume. And if he ends up with okay. like six, seven, how many rushing yards do you have for Wilson this year? Or, or do you have that up? Or are you able to pull that up? I, I can pull it up very quickly. Go over to run the Sims.com. I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I have my projections, which are still completely free. You can go actually use the projection builder and put in your own inputs. If you want, I don't know if I've messed. I still think I have Tim's inputs in from this. I have him for an 11% market share of the rushes on this team. Because And that's something actually I want to talk about here in a second. So where does that put him for overall rushing yards? Zach Wilson, uh, 212 rushing yards for the year on 47 attempts. Yeah, so I have him for more rushing than you do for this yeah. year. Well, I, I scaled that back after the Tim stuff because I had them at a passing rate that was so substantially high to get his passing numbers up just to see what that would look like. But I just think this game is going to be a shootout. And I want to have quarterbacks okay. in shootouts. All right. And yeah, look, certainly fair. Um, those are again, those are my only two differences, and they're not even that large. I like, I'm not even crapping over having Sam Darnold where you have him just because I do think the Jets defense is miserable. 
Yeah, I think they're going to be the defense to pick on this year. And where I and those two game totals are really close, the Carolina and Jets and Miami and New England, like I would lean under in the Miami and New England game where I would lean over in that other game. So that's really going to be a decider for me. I did move up to it to 21 behind Ben Roethlisberger, though. I put him ahead of Fitz and Garoppolo and Baker and Daniel Jones. I think you did sell me on that. But I am in on Tua this year. I just I don't like New England at all. Maybe prove me wrong, Tua. Actually, you can just do it for yourself, but I'll be waiting on the sidelines. I have two in some spots. We'll see how he's, uh, see what he's up to. If I can find a better option for week one, Jets running, hold on, hold on. Jets running back situation with the Jets. We totally just didn't talk about it. Right. How do you see it shaking down? Like if they're way behind, is Ty Johnson going to play a ton? I don't know. Say a ton. I think Michael Carter got sprinkled in more, sprinkled in more than people might assume after what we've seen recently. But the Michael Carter thing was what we have said this entire time was that he'll be the lead at some point. But Tevin Coleman was going to be a thorn, if not the lead, to start. And I wasn't expect. Admittedly, I wasn't expecting Ted Johnson to be the factor. I was expecting it more to be Tevin Coleman. But Carter was always the long play. So if you had late drafts, I actually enjoyed the fact that Carter came back and price and ADP. I didn't like the, I actually ended up with less Carter than I thought I was going to, because once he hit the fifth round, I was taking wide receivers and I wasn't taking Carter at that point. That being said, like I wouldn't panic on Carter yet. I still think he's going to be the guy. It's just going to take a few weeks, fifth, sixth week of the season this week. One, if they are behind, I still think you'll see enough Coleman he's not going to completely come off the field, but yeah, Ty Johnson, I think might be like a 50, 50 split with Michael Carter. And that means just, Get the hell out of this situation for now. This is it's essentially the worst version of the Buccaneers because their offense isn't as good as the Buccaneers offense. True. I, I'd probably want the guy who's on the field the most when they're catching passes. Like when they're passing, that's the guy that and I it want. might that you to your point about that, it might be Ty Johnson to start the season. Oh boy. Fun. Fun times had by all in the Jets backfield. <laughs> I was gonna say real quick as a joke, and but I'm serious. Your final two quarterbacks, I would put Dalton dead last. I would actually start Jared Goff before I started Andy Dalton this week. Yeah, let's hope it never comes to that. I'll keep it as it is because I don't feel like doing the leg work. You might be in a super flex. I mean, you might be in a super flex and you just had that you got stuck on a turn and watered down at running back and all of a sudden you have nothing left. I'll go with Dalton. Maybe he'll just at least he can just chuck it up to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson can do stuff or your boy Mooney Tunes. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's going to I'm getting that shirt. Do you want one? Sure. Do you want one? Do you want? Yeah, we. I, I've got. To, I'm finding somebody to help me make one because I couldn't get RotoWare because the NFL is so. They'll, they'll now actually honestly, if I make like two, they might come after me too. No, there you go. So yeah, you keep one for yourself. You wear it on the show. It's my inspiration for Mooney Tunes. That's all, folks. And then boom, just touchdowns. Maybe that can be his catchphrase. Who knows? <laughs> Defenses. Before we get out of here, I go Rams number one, 49ers number two, Ravens, Broncos, Chargers, Bills, Patriots, Steelers. I like the Panthers against the Jets, too, in what could be a very sloppy shootout type of game. And I think that the Panthers actually generate a pretty good pass rush. So I think that's the sneaky, streamable defense that you can play this week and use on DraftKings, even though I think that there's a lot of points in that game. Those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. The defense can score, mm-hmm. too. Washington, Packers, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bucks, Colts, Seahawks, Jags, and Falcons. Those are the 18 defenses that I ranked this week. Yeah, I think the 49ers were the obvious. If you miss out on the big defenses for the season in your draft, if you're just looking at Detroit in week one, I have them on a ton of leagues because it just I'm not going to draft the defense early or for more than $1, and then I'll figure something out after this. Because I think, don't they have like the Packers in week two or something like that? But uh, speaking of, 
I mentioned the Packers to say this is I think that was the other, that's the sneaky defense for me is the Packers defense can exploit turnovers at some time. And if you talk about Jameis and his aggressiveness and his one and his two is Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. And it's not even just Jameis. It could just be the fact that you're asking Callaway and Smith to be ones and twos on any teams. We've already seen Traquan Smith struggle to be the top option with no Michael Thomas. It just might be Jameis being aggressive and the receivers being at fault for some of the interceptions. So I think that if the Packers are putting up points, the Saints defense has kind of like been falling apart with some injuries and stuff like that. It's still a decent unit, but it might be vulnerable to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And if you get aggressive Jameis, a couple interceptions, a couple turnovers, and a potential touchdown. So that, that I like the Panthers call. The Packers would have been my sneaky call for this week. Yeah, I have them at number 11. I like them as well. I just like the Panthers maybe because of sneakiness. You know how I get with my rankings that if I'm going to tell you that I <laughs> you like do. this, the, 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 if I. If hey, our combined you, defensive rankings end up being like number one every, every single year. It's true. The only thing I'm good at ranking is defenses. Yeah, we we meld them together, and it's the best ranked defenses ever. Yeah, the, the position that requires the most luck in your favor is the only one I'm good at. So there we are. Those were the week one <laughs> rankings, Jake. Season eight, off to a hot start. We did it. Yeah, week one in the books. Wow. Hopefully, these, hopefully half, half these guys don't get hurt after uh you're gonna be doing an hour-long update show next week it's hey like... content there we go so the schedule for next week how to bet on the nfl with pro gambler rob pizzola is out on sunday there's a special cuss corner for labor day when people have the day off spread picks on tuesday wednesday is going to be showdown for the opening game plus a rankings update thursday full DraftKings picks friday is going to be me cam stewart and rob pizzola with the best bets for the week and a breakdown of the entire slate and and what the updates to the injuries are. Plus, I'll have my injury updates and DraftKings ownership and prize picks over on the Fantasy Football Picks and Bets feed after the final injury reports come out on Friday. So please go subscribe to that right now and play in that contest. Go join Prize Picks right now and take advantage of the, the match deposit of up to 100 bucks. Code MMN at checkout or use the link that's down in the description. And you can play in the Prop Super Contest with me and Jake and everyone on Mayo Media Networks. Come join us. Come take our money away. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. Smash a like on the way out, and I'll see you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.